God desires to comfort his people. He knows the place that we live. The Bible says that he knows the place where we live, where Satan has his throne. In Revelation, it talks about that. The Lord knows the difficulties that we face. He knows that we are human, that we are but dust. And he desires to comfort us. He doesn't take those things away necessarily. But he promises to be with us every step of the way. Every step of the way. And though the fires may kindle upon you, and though the waters may be deep around you, they will not come over you. The Lord promises that he will be with you in the fire as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he will not allow the waters to come over you. And I just picture in my mind how when the Lord was leading his people out of Egypt and how he displayed his might and his power and his strength. And the whole world was introduced to the power of the Almighty through what he did with Egypt. And all of those, he commanded those plagues to come upon Egypt. And as God's people walked out of 400 years, 400 years worth of slavery, God was proving himself to his own people. And as they came face to face with the Red Sea, they were back to back. In front of them was the Red Sea. Behind them was Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen. And his army was coming after them. You see, Pharaoh, after being buffeted so much by all of the plagues, said eventually, just go. Just get out of here. And the Bible says that God made his people favorably disposed to the Egyptians. That means that he, want, he made them want God's people to leave. And they were even giving gifts to them. Whatever the people wanted, God's people wanted, they asked the Egyptians for gold and silver and all of these different things, valuable things. And the people were just like, all right, take it. Whatever you want, just get out of here. Because they knew that the power of God was with them. And they didn't want any more. And in so doing, they plundered Egypt. You know what plundering means? When your army beats another army, you plunder all their stuff. You understand? You get all their stuff. You get all their cattle. You get all of their great belongings, all of their wonderful artwork. You get all of their um, most precious things. Why? Because you conquered them. And so when, when God said that uh, in so doing, 
He plundered, the people of God plundered all of Egypt. Egypt couldn't be beat at that time with an army. Israel had no army, right? At that time, they had no army. But still, they plundered all of Egypt and all of its riches and all of its power because of God's power through them and even in spite of them. And so they took all of Israel or all of Egypt's great things and saying to them our God has conquered you. You are conquered. And so they come to the edge of the Red Sea and they're torn and now their Pharaoh has changed his mind and he's saying, "What have I done? Why have I let these people go?" Armies, go, go after them, go get them. Chariots, go after them. Make up the time that we've lost. Go chase them down and force them to come back. And the whole while, the Hebrew people were at the edge of the Red Sea. What shall we do? We can't turn around. They'll kill us. We can't go forward because the water is, will drown God told Moses, stretch out your staff over the waters. And all of the Hebrew people saw what God did. You see, he parted the waters. And it says that the waters stood up on each side. Stood up as they crossed this sea Now, if you study this scenario, there are different versions that will tell you that it was a sea of reeds, all right, that it was very shallow. Others will tell you that it was not, that it was deep. And, you know, thinking about it, it really doesn't matter because either way, they couldn't get through it, all right? They couldn't get through it. And so God parted those waters If there was a wall of water on either side, and it says in the Bible that God caused them to pass by on dry ground. Dry ground. Hundreds of thousands, if not more, people crossed through this sea with a wall of... Can you imagine seeing that? Water doesn't do that. Without something holding it in place, well, God was holding it in place. And his people walked through on dry ground. But not only that, after the last one was through, the waters closed behind them. And who was behind them? All of Pharaoh's army. All of Pharaoh's army had gone down into this place where the water was welled up. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Oh my gosh, we're really in it now. If their God is, is allowing these things to happen and causing these things to happen, they just plundered our whole nation, and now we're in the middle of this. Do you think maybe they might have known? Oh my goodness. We're really in it now. It's too late to turn back. And the waters just came, and it said, that all of Pharaoh's army drowned. And God's people were delivered. 
God's people were delivered from Pharaoh once and for all. God's people at the hand of the Almighty. Do you know that that's the same God back then that is the same God that we serve to this day? That is the same God who has imprinted His name upon our hearts. That is the same God that has all of these different nicknames, Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, and so on. El Shaddai, Almighty God. All these nicknames of Jehovah, the God of the Hebrew people, which became the Israelites and extended even to us Gentiles. Us Gentiles, non-Israelites. God desires to deliver you. God desires to comfort you. Sometimes we feel that no matter what it is that we are going through, our eyes see it, and so our, our insides just quake with fear. When we think of the direction our children are going, we quake inside with fear. When we see the direction sometimes our marriages are going, we quake with fear. When we see the shape the world is in, we would quake with fear. We would shudder. We would wring our hands. Oh, what will we do? Who will save us? But we know that our God is our deliverer. <laughs> He's our deliverer. He is the mighty God. He is the King of kings. He is the one true God. Amen. He is not an idol that was built and carved with the hands of a man that has no power and no voice. He is the creator of the universe in which we live. And you know what? They're finding more and more things out in space that they never knew existed. They think they've found more planets. It's crazy. That universe is bigger than we ever thought it was. God desires to comfort his people. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 21? The word of God, when you nourish your spirit with the word of God, your spirit becomes strong. When you do not feed your spirit with the word of God, your spirit becomes weak, as if you have had no food. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Now this is John talking about this revelation that God, Jesus actually, Jesus himself had given to John. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now where? Among men. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now listen to this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Can you imagine what life would be like? No more starving children, no more murder, no more fear, no more tears, no more sadness. God takes those things away. Wow. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He's the owner of that well, friends. (laughs) Only he can give that kind of water. The water of the Holy Spirit, the water of life. Those who are victorious, those who stand true, will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Friends, the words of God comfort us. They deliver us. They strengthen us. First Peter, a few books back. Chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. 1 Peter 5, 6-7. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God, and he quotes, he quotes a saying or scripture here. He says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. In verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And here's where things come together. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Have you had anxiety Are you on medication for anxiety? Do you worry? Do you fret? 
He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What kind of a God is so mindful of his people that he would have them to cast their worries upon him? There is no other religion or God or anything else that's like that. Christianity is different from any other religion in this fact, this demonstration of love. It's not like that anywhere else. That sacrificial love. Cast your anxiety, not, all of, not some of it, but all of it. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a message of love. That's a message of comfort. That is not a message of damnation or condemnation, is it? John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to do what? To condemn it, but to do what? To save the world through Him. To save the world through Him. What the world needs to hear. Proverbs chapter 3. You know, it may be a good idea to write these scriptures down so that you have them to refer to and you can. Have you ever had a piece of food that you just savor? Maybe at Thanksgiving dinner you had something like that. Maybe a piece of apple pie or a piece of moist turkey with some gravy on it and, and oh, just cooked just right. And, and that meat just kind of, you savored that meat in your mouth. All right? The Word of God, we, we can do that same thing. We can savor. We can take those scriptures home. I remember when my dad was preaching, I was just writing notes down on everything and I would take it home and I would just pour over those things all week long until the next Sunday, and I'd do it all over again. Just writing down Scripture after Scripture and, and references and thoughts, and you know what? I still do those things to this day. At men's dinners, guest speakers, I'm still doing those things. I'm still putting those things into practice because I can learn something from just about anybody. Not everybody thinks the same way I do. And I write these things down when I meet with the pastors. I'm writing things down so that I can take these things home and I can pour over them. I can meditate on them, as David said. I meditate on your word day and night. And I savor those things. 
And as you savor those things, as you meditate on the word, the word begins to permeate all of the worry and the fear and anxiety, and all those things just seem to wash away. As our mind, as my mind is being transformed, transformed by the word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. I have many favorites, but this is one of them. This is probably top 10 scriptures in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You ever been on a curvy, up and down, bumpy, trippy sort of path? that you weren't sure where it was going, maybe in your life you felt that way. Maybe during some trials that you're going through in your life right now, maybe you're seeking direction and you're wondering where God would have you to go, what God would have you to do. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your heart. That's tough. That's tough. That means we're trusting him with the most intimate of things, with the most worrisome of things that are hard to trust God with. How about trusting God with your children? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. How about trusting God with your money? Whoa, pastor, you stop right there. (laughs) That's a tough one. Do you trust God? Enough to obey him when he says to give. When he says to tithe 10% as a guide, do you trust him enough to take care of everything else? Do you trust him with your children? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on what? Your own understanding. Isn't that always what we want to do? We want to lean on our own understanding because we got it all together. Mm. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, there is destruction. Mm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. God is teaching his people through his word how to live lives that are joyous. That are joyful in the midst of difficulty. Do you know that that's possible? In the midst of a world that has gone crazy, it would seem, we can live lives of peace and joy We can live lives where we are comforted and contented. Contentment, that's a tough one too, isn't it? Because we always want more stuff. Yeah? And when you got it all right here, and you can get it, quick, 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 that's tough. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew chapter 11. 28 through 30. Listen to this. Just let these words sink in. Write write this down. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Doesn't that just paint a vivid picture in your mind? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Burdened. And what is going to happen? And I will give you rest. (laughs) Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, there's a trust factor right there. If you are coming to the Lord with your burdens, with your fears, with your worries, We're casting them at the feet of the Lord. We're casting them on Him. I will give you rest. And it continues, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you know that the yoke, the purpose of it is for learning and teaching? That's the purpose of a yoke. It's not for some sort of bondage. It's not to chain up an animal. It's to teach another animal. When they put the yoke upon one animal, they would put it on the trained, experienced animal, oxen in many cases, and then they would put another oxen, a young oxen, or uh, one that they were trying to train, and they would make them the young oxen, the new one, Follow the old one, because the old one was trained, knew what it was supposed to do. And Jesus, in this instance, is saying, take my yoke upon you. So put your head in the yoke, your neck, along with me. So you in a yoke with Jesus, and that's no yoke. (laughs) Yeah, that's lame, right? I know. But think about that, right? So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. So in order for that to happen, we've got to humble ourselves and recognize that we need training. Secondly, we need to humble ourselves and to say, okay. And so we put our neck in that yoke and it's tightened upon us so that we can't wriggle out of it. All right, And then we follow Jesus, and we do what he does. We learn to make the paths straight. We learn to make the rows straight. We learn at what speed we are to move, and not, to not get ahead of him, or not lag behind him, but to stay right with him. Do you know the scripture says, keep in step with the Spirit? 
Don't lag behind. Don't run out ahead. Both of those get you in trouble. Keep in step with the Spirit. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What is the opposite of gentle and humble in heart? Well, it's like a dictatorship, right? You do what I say. I don't care what you say. I'm the boss. I'm the one in charge. But he's saying, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Do you remember when Jesus came and rode through the streets of Jerusalem on Passover on a young colt? A young colt. He was signifying his humility. I'm not coming in on a war horse, on a steed, with a spear and a sword. I'm coming to you lowly and gentle, riding on a foal, on a colt, on a young donkey. Humble, gentle. Now listen to this. Let's finish this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you see what he's saying? Stick with me and be at rest. Stick close to me and be at rest. Learn how to take what the world throws at you and still be at rest. Learn how to work through losing your job and still be at rest. Learn how to work through family difficulties and still be at rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Is your soul, your spirit being fed this morning? Are you taking these things in? Are you nourishing your spirit this morning? Because that's your job. That's your job. Putting your place, putting yourself in a place where God can speak to your heart and your spirit, where you can be fed. We were all here a week or so ago, and we had ourselves one massive Thanksgiving dinner here right at church, did we not? We were putting ourselves in a place where we could be nourished physically. And we did that very well, I might add. (laughs) But do we do the same spiritually? Where are our brothers and sisters? Where are they? When you're not putting yourself in a place where your spirit and your soul can be nourished, atrophy is going to happen. You know, when you have an injury and you're in a cast, the muscles that are under that cast grow weaker and weaker the longer it's in that cast. And when it comes out, you can even see the difference between Say if you had it on your leg, you could see the difference in the leg that was without a cast 
from the leg that was in the cast. The leg that was in the cast, the muscles have shrunk. The strength is not there anymore. And that leg has to be worked with physical therapy. How much our spirits do the very same thing? (laughs) Think about that. Our spirits, when we are not putting ourselves in a place where our spirits can be nourished, our spirits experience the same sort of thing, this shrinking of the muscles. There is no exercising of our faith. There is no teaching. And our spirits grow weak. Turn with me to Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 1. We're going to jump around here in this passage here a bit. Now, we're talking this morning about comfort for God's people, comfort for us. Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, speak gently, and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Where where have you heard that before? John the Baptist, remember? In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Listen to this. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground will become level. When you're traveling... And you're going up mountains, it's hard, isn't it? And when you're going down into the valleys, sometimes that's even harder. This is what God wants to do for you. Think about this. As you are in your life and on this traveling path to holiness, we're going to experience those things, but God wants you to know that he is so with you that he's going he's to bring down those mountains. He's going to raise up those valleys, and you're going to be walk, walking level paths. In a sense, that's what God wants. He wants to be that for you. He wants to be that comfort. Is there still going to be difficulties? Absolutely. Are there still going to be mountains? Yeah. Is there still going to be... Yes, there's going to be both of those. But God is going to be with us so much, and he's going to comfort us so much if we put our trust in him and all of it, then he's going to make it seem as though those valleys are coming up and the mountains are coming down, and we're just going to be walking on level paths, friends. Whew. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. In Israel, it is really rugged territory, very rugged, rocky. There is just rocks everywhere, and it's hard traveling. It's not easy. If you have to walk when you get out of the city, 
It's not easy. It's rocky everywhere. Even the, the fields are rocky. And they're so rocky that they have over generations taking, taking rocks and you'll be driving by and it'll, it'll look like a fence is there. But it's not really a fence. It's a place where they have, at the end of this property, just taken all the rocks and just put them in a pile and they'll go for miles. There's so much rocks in an effort so that they can use that property to harvest, to plant things. The rugged places he will make a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Praise the Lord. He is our healer. He is the Almighty. He cares about the things that you care about. You know that? God cares about the things that you care about. And you'll notice when we begin to take those things back from God and, and, and say that we, I want to work this out in my way, then we begin to worry more. That, that's the way it is with me. The more I begin to focus on the problem, the more I begin to worry. The more I pray about it, the less I worry. The more I pray about it, the less I worry. Sometimes, often, hear, hear me out, often I have to pray until I feel release. Have you heard that before? Pray until you feel release. Write that down. <laughs> what that means is you're praying until that worry goes away. You're going to have to revisit that prayer. But pray until the Spirit gives release. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? God desires that you have joy. God desires that you are at peace, that... Those of you who are parents here, or who will be parents at some point, your children, when your children are worried about things, it's worse than when you're worrying about things for yourself. Because you can't just jump in and fix it for them. You don't want your kids to hurt you don't want your kids to suffer. You don't want them to be sad. You don't want them to be in pain. And so you just want to make it all go away. But you can't do that. All right? But if they will allow you, then you can become involved in that and you can help them through those things. How much more, friends, does God desire to help you how much more does God desire to carry you through those difficult things and to be a shoulder that you can lean on, that you can cry on? 
to put his arm around you and say, my son, my daughter, I am here for you. You don't need to worry. I'm right here. You don't need to worry. That's what God wants to do for you. And you know, sometimes our parents have kind of maybe not been the greatest example in those ways, and so it's hard for us to relate to Father God and who is the perfect Father. But He is just that. The perfect Father. The perfect Father. And we can call Him Daddy and we can say, Daddy, with that complete trust, complete faith that He's going to help us. Daddy, help me. God wants to work in our hearts. Old and young, seasoned and new Christians. Let these words permeate your heart and your mind today. May they nourish your spirit today. We ask you for your comfort. We ask you for your guidance. And today, we willingly take your yoke upon us that we may learn from you in your gentleness, in your humbleness, your humility of heart. Father, I pray that we would rest in you. And I pray that that quiet confidence, I I just feel like that is a, a good analogy, just a quiet confidence, not a boastfulness or pride, but a quiet strength and who we are in Christ, that that would just dwell on each and every person that is here today, from the oldest to the youngest. May that quiet confidence in Christ dwell in your hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.